Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Men say podcast. Good to have you along this evening. Uh, no Gareth this week. So myself, Stephen Goldsmith, is joined by Chris Weatherspoon for the first time in a long time. Hello. Good evening, good Christopher. Evening. You okay? Oh, Stephen. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well, thanks. If you are listening and uh, Chris says something that uh, winds you up or that you don't agree with, um, and you, you want to fire abuse at anybody on social media, make sure you just tag him in it and not the podcast because he's speaking for himself uh, and not on behalf of us. Uh, See, this is why I don't come on. <laughs> but I know, well, actually, no, it depends. You know, generally when we're not playing very well, people are starting to agree with the stuff you say, Chris. So on the other hand, if Chris says something that you do really agree with, make sure you tag the podcast praising <laughs> us for those opinions. So just as long as we're all clear. Um, joining us as well is Mickey Love. Good evening, Michael. All Hiya. right. Hiya. Yeah, I'm great. I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, I, all that stuff. Um, interesting, isn't it? Um, I, I'm on a podcast with Chris Weatherspoon. I've been the most boring contributor so far, so I'm doing well. Oh, give us a chance. He's, he's been thinking about that all day since he realised I was coming on, hasn't he? That's why he was 10 minutes late. He's been writing that one down. Mm, got me right, script yes. out. <laughs> well, yeah, there's going to be some morning and night negativity, probably, isn't there? You can play. I mean, yeah, you can you can blame us entirely because we're always cautious with with um, gushing Sunderland with prayers, as you as you know. We always sort of err on the side of caution on that, and we get called miserable for it. Um, but we, you know, I, I guess we've just seen it all before, and we're languishing in Division Three, and we're, we're realistic. And last week, I think, like we let ourselves go a little bit in terms of the praise that we put on the players. And even though we conceded late to, to Wickham, I, I thought I saw enough in that game to show something different uh, from this group of players. And we looked really comfortable. And Gareth was talking about winning like 13 from the next 19 or something. And of course, we've not won any of the, the two games we've had since then. And it's a recurring theme, this, isn't it? Of, uh, of Sunderland's League One um, exploits that we can't whenever there's a chance we can go top of the league bar on the Sheffield Wednesday game this year we just seem to fluff our lines doesn't it and it doesn't matter who the manager is it doesn't matter what the team is what style of player it is this keeps happening doesn't it and it's beyond frustrating yeah I think uh, like to be fair like when you were on about the Wickham game there like obviously yeah we conceded in the last minute but I thought like that second half performance was like one of the most encouraging of the season because I thought we lost it. I thought, like, in reaction to uh, going behind as well. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I thought, I thought, we were, like, we, let's be honest. That second half, we could have scored, we could have scored two or three, and it, it wouldn't have been undeserved. And fair enough. Look, the first half, I don't think we were very good, but like the second half, um, usually, often it's the other way around with us. We start like a house on fire, then we fade as the game goes on. So I thought that was really encouraging. And I think, I don't know, like. I, I know we're going to talk mainly about Saturday, but I, I know there's a bit of an idea that, oh, well, that 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 goal knocked us for the Lincoln game. I, I don't really I don't really know about that. I, think I don't agree with that. The, yeah, I think the Lincoln game, I think, I mean, I, I think the pitch didn't help us. I think, I think, I think the way we approached the game, we certainly played into Chris McGuire's hands. And, and I don't know, it was just, it was one of them nights where it felt like everything that, could go wrong did and um to be honest saturday perf- perf- well performance and result wise wasn't really much of an improvement in my opinion 
Um, I thought we started the game all right. I thought Stewart should score, what is it, six minutes in or something, very early doors. Um, but other than that, I know, and we'll, we'll talk about it, I know the manager came out and kind of said it 75, 85 minutes, it was a good away performance. I really don't agree. Um, and, and I've been one of the people who's praised him for telling it like it is when we've lost or dropped points and that. And I just, I'm not sure what he's saying there because, you know, like the, the, if, before before we scored, like the end of the first half, they had three like really good chances. Like Hoffman had to tip one over the bar. Sergen made like an outstanding block. And I think, I think maybe Flanagan was another who made a block. And they were really like piling the pressure on. So I, I, I don't really get this idea that it was a decent performance. We'll get on to the manager uh, in a bit. Uh, Mick, anybody who wasn't watching the game, do you want to give us a summary of how you saw it? A quick yeah, one, don't I... talk us minute by don't talk us through minute by minute. <laughs> no, I think I agree largely with what Chris said. I think it was a poor performance overall. I think the game lacked a lot of intensity, which you ironically don't really expect when you go to Rappington, you expect it to be, if not a high quality game, a high tempo and a high energy game, but it wasn't that at all. It was played off for quite a pedestrian pace and we struggled to control it. I mean, even the goal, I mean, we started the second half brightly, but it's a deflection from quite a speculative shot from the edge of the area. Fair play, he's took the strike on. But it's not as if we kind of cut them open or created anything of note. But then we've gone and shot ourselves in the foot like we did at Shrewsbury, where you win the game, you should be in control of it. They go down to 10 men, even later in the game. And our game management has just got to be so, so much better. And I think Saturday has really rang the alarm bells for me because I think on Tuesday against Lincoln, although it was a terrible performance and result, there was enough to mitigate it to say, right, it's a one-off. We had the lads, I mean, fair enough, we chose to play the game, but we had the lads like Diamond, who maybe are quite up with Patterson, it looks a bit cheaty in goal. Maguire should have been sent off before he scored his hat-trick. There's plenty of stuff you can mitigate it with or put it down to a one-off. But Saturday, there was no excuse. We had lads coming back. We're going to Appleton, who we should be able to be comfortably, and we turned in a terrible performance, and we've come away with a, a really bad result, which is kind of naturally led the supporters kind of questioning whether this team has got it in them to go up automatically. I agree with that, Mick, because I think, you know, the Lincoln game, like you said, you can kind of take in that we aren't unbeatable and we're gonna and we're gonna lose some games. I think we play that game nine out of ten times and we beat them. I know we watched it together, Mick and I said then that um I think we weren't patient enough. And I think if we'd scored first, I think their game plan would have went out the window, they would have folded. We all know what happened and you can kind of take it on the chin, but it's inexcusable Saturday, the same as Shrewsbury you mentioned there. Now, every team will look back at a season and say, oh, coulda, woulda, shoulda. You know, if we if we, if we we defended better on that game, if we didn't miss an open goal on that game. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, every every side has these um, games that they can look back on in hindsight and say, that's what cost us. However, those two games, when you're playing against sides, mid-table sides in this division and you have a man advantage and you're winning the game, it's inexcusable not to win the game. And those four points, I'm worried, will be the four points that will cost us now this season. Because am I right in saying if we had those four points, we'd be on two points per game still? Um, uh, yeah, well, we'll which, to, you know, again, yeah, so I, again, you know, it's, oh, God, I would have shut up, but it, it's inexcusable. If you have ambitions of getting promoted, you cannot let that happen. Nick mentioned game management there. Where do we sit now on the debate about players versus manager? Because the manager set up the team. I think just about every ex-professional footballer you will ask their opinion on this will say that's down to the players in terms of game management and um, want need, need to be a little bit more streetwise to get through those games. Yeah, I think I mean like they they go like it's a howler from Flanagan and like there's no getting away from that. And you ask like how how have we ended up two on two? against a team of 10 men. Um, so, yeah, no, I think there's definitely responsibility on the players. I think the thing, and I think we saw this in both Saturday and the Shrewsbury game, is that even against 10 men, I'd never feel like, sorry, I very rarely feel like we're in control of a game in the middle. Like, on Saturday, like, like I think Neil and Emildon have been, Neil certainly has been one of our best players this season, but Neil and Embleton in that kind of deeper role together, it, it just doesn't work. And to be fair, I think people might have looked at the team sheet before the game and said, that's going to be where we'll have issues. And all game, we, we never got control of the game. And I think, again, look, there's mitigation because, look, he's got injuries, like players who you would expect 
to be there aren't. Um, but to me, it I suppose it's kind of agree with you really, Stephen. Like when we talk about is it is it on the play? It kind of showed to me that we're like crying out for a central midfielder this month. And I think if we don't get a bit of like a, a more solid base there, like look, I think we've got issues in defence as well. But like you defend as a team, and again on Saturday we we didn't do it and. Like we just keep pressure on ourselves all game. I thought we we, we never even with when they had ten men, we never really got comfortable. We never took the sting out of the game, um, and yeah, and I I think I think it just showed in a, in a way there's like a positive because it it's to me anyway it's blindly obvious what we need to do this month now. Um, whether it, I, some people might say, well, look, once we get the injured people back, we've got enough. I'm not 100% no. sure that's the case, and especially when one of them is Corey Evans, who I don't think you can rely on to be fit once yeah. he's back. I want, to, I want to get to that in, in the second half. We're going to look at where we think we need to, to, to strengthen our loss. I think it's pretty. I think everybody's pretty much on the same page when it comes when it when it comes to that. Uh, where are you on that on that on that debate, Nick? Because I know, you know, I'm not excusing the manager. I'm going to get onto his comments in, in, in the Lincoln game, and particularly in particular. Um, and some of the stuff he continues to say, which I know Graham covered on on the Wise would say website. Um, so I know I'm not you know just blindly back on the manager here. But is there an argument to say this is this is down to the players? This game management you brought up there. I think it is largely down to the players. I think when it's like as, as Chris said, it's inexcusable to be left two on two. Uh, do you say I know it's an, an an experienced team, but there is enough experience on that pitch to be able to get a hold of that and prevent that from happening because it's our corner. And I think um, there was something put in the group chat the other day which showed like our furthest back player from that corner and we just left ourselves really wide open. So for me, that's the responsibility of the goalkeeper, really, because when like kind of where... like I'm not doubting him hoffing for a goal, that would be silly. But what I am saying is he's got to take ownership then and say, like, look, why have we only got so many people back? We should have more bodies back. We need to be deeper, etc. Because that's his job, and we've got to call it to be marshalling them lads on the halfway line. And then when the breakaway happens, we need to be a lot more proactive in dealing with it. So I think it's just kind of a bit of a comedy of errors from everywhere. And as much as fair enough, Johnson does have his flaws, which we will, I'm sure, will come on to at some point. I do think that goal in isolation is the player's responsibility. But I think the performance levels overall on Saturday is kind of down to the manager. And his comments, fair enough, he's got to defend his players. But I do think we're quite worrying actually in light of what we all saw as a very kind of like poor display and even worse result. I think he's, he, that must be him to try and keep the, his players' heads up that, I think. You can't he can't be thinking he's fooling anybody by suggesting that was a a good away performance. What I will say though, you know, in, in response to what we're saying now, yet you, you look at the this being doubt of the players. We've said it's happened before at, at Shrewsbury. There have been other games where we've conceded late goals um Slightly in slightly more forgivable circumstances, I guess. So I guess the argument against the manager in this situation was he keeps coming out and saying we need to learn by our mistakes. And Graham went and dug up quotes where he's been saying this for four years across the two sides that he's managed. It's down to him to to to, to make sure the players don't make these mistakes and they keep making it again. So yeah, I, I think you've got a point there because it's kind of it, it does become a trend, doesn't it? So obviously at Fleetwood were. We're turning up in complete cruise control of that game and, and we stacked it. Um, Shrewsbury, I know we weren't in great form, but we just beat Ipswich 2-0 and we should have been full of confidence. He's hit the lead early on, sending off. like Literally, that game is like ready-made to be won. They had like a lot of players out and we didn't grasp the opportunity. So I do get what you're saying. I think in isolation, it's down to players. But as you say, when things become a trend, you do have to maybe look with the manager as well. Yeah, and I suppose you could argue that perhaps like part of the reason like the players felt comfortable being that exposed, like pushing on that much, even though we're one nil up is kind of comes back to the manager's mentality, which is very much attack first. Um look I don't think you can't legislate for like the the mistake Flanagan makes and that I know plenty of people uh point that out anyway, but I I think I think it's a shared responsibility, isn't it? But I think if that had happened in isolation on on Saturday, you'd be like, yeah, it's entirely on the players. But I think the points you've raised about it, well, and like what you said about Graham's art, well, about learning lessons, well, it feels like this has happened a few times now and the lessons aren't being learned. How do we think about the way the manager's state of mind seems to be whenever we 
well, lose. He's uh, very he's very high when we win, and he's very low when we lose. Um, bring this. You know, looking back to the Sheffield Wednesday ones, the, the one that the defeat that sticks out. Where he looks like he, was, he looked like he was going to cry after that game. Well, when he when he said in the interview after the game, after people had been chanting, where <laughs> fucking shit, and he and one of the things he said in his interview was, "I can assure you, we're not." And it's like, well, yeah, mate, like it's just a chant. We're getting three 0 away from home. People are just trying to cheer themselves up, and I think, but I do think he's quite. I think he's quite like. I think well, you've nailed it. He's quite like temperamental, and I think he is a little bit soft skinned. I mean, last Tuesday night he got himself sent off in the last minute, and now I know that. The, the argument is that he was looking out for Doyle, which I think is a fair argument. But even when he got sent off, he did that weird little shoulder into the fourth official and that as he was walking off. And you're like, there's no need for it. The game's gone. Like, if any, you we need you to be like the calmest yeah. bloke in the yeah. stadium. And and I just fear that, and, and I don't know, but you wonder, is that what plays into these, like, now infamous streaks? If he's, if he's really... If he's really feeling the heat and that, that's probably going to permeate to the players. Whereas if he's on and up, that's probably going to permeate to the players. Mm-hmm. And it, it's kind of, I don't know, like that, it, that could be total bollocks. So I just said, but if, it feels like there's a link there between like, like I don't feel like he's this kind of level-headed, like like what you said there, when we win, he's very high, he's on the pitch, giving it, giving it the fist bumps and all that, which I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it, it does feel like he maybe gets a little bit carried away when we're doing well and then a little bit like down and morose when we're not. And I, I think that's definitely, that's definitely a question. And the, the problem is at a club like this, in this division, there's an awful lot of pressure and can he, can he handle it? I, 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 I don't think he's shown a hundred percent yet that he can. Hmm. I think in the chaos of that Lincoln game, you're right. I think what we needed was a manager to sort of be the one who brought some, calmness of the situation to say to the players to say the players at the end of the game like look you can't do that lads you can't react like that you know let's let's just cross this one off put it down as a, a bad day at the office you know but you need to you need to be measured with your response and your reaction and he can't say that now when he's when he's getting involved himself and he's reacting himself exactly. and I, I feel like because the crowd are looking to take the frustration out on somebody and, and they weren't going to do that with the players because they were flying at the time and they're playing well and the officials tend to be the ones who get it, even if they make a decision that's like not a terrible decision, but like slightly dodgy, they get it done. The, the frustration comes out in them. And he's almost getting on board with that and, and going along with that. But and, it's not a frequent occurrence either, is it? Like, I think even, even games where we've been winning in that, he's quite like mouthy and chirping off on the sidelines. And it looked like that's not always a bad thing. Like, but I. <laughs> I agree. I, th- I think there's times when you need a calm head, and you worry that you worry that it's not just a spur of the moment thing. It's it's everything getting on top of them. Like he'll be he'll be under no illusions now that people are already starting to see up. Oh, we're in another streak here, and it's like it might not be, but he'll. I have no doubt that he'll have that in his mind, and he'll be getting concerned about that. And it's it's probably like a vicious cycle. And I just think, yeah, I think he needs to. I mean, he's he's appealing the 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 Lincoln thing, isn't he? Um, I said he is, yeah, yeah. And to to me, I mean, I don't know. I I, I can understand like the merit and the argument that he was looking off for Doyle, who's like an eighteen year old kid. But I just think like the way he conducted himself after he got sent off, like I think that kind of showed what actually, if anything, you get the impression sometimes that he's kind of spoiling for a fight and wants wants to take his frustration out and. Like you say, I think I think we need you need a calm head. You're going to need a calm head in these coming months because problem is, like, God forbid, if we end up in the playoffs again. I'm not. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure personally about the saying he justifies sticking up for young kid. I'm not sure at all. Callum Doyle, you know, he, he's a professional footballer, and no, I'm not, and I'm not you know saying, he's playing in a bloke. He's playing in a bloke's game, and, and he's just got to cope with that. Like a man, I could un- I could understand the argument. I'm not saying that's why he did it. But I, I can understand the argument if that was. But I think his past behaviour suggests that was. I think I think that could have been anyone flying through and their player reacting, and he would have piled into them. Was it the Was it the Lingam player who was given the beginning of the fans? Was it him who did it? I think so. Yeah, because I mean, his behaviour was quite strange. Like I, I just thought like, he. I don't like. 
can't even remember his name because he was, I mean, <laughs> players, you know, I don't know, he thinks he was Joey Barton or something in the way he was like jumping in front of the Sunderland fans and celebrating a goal. But you're like, who are you, mate? Like, it, it's not like, you know, when, when people like Robbie Savage and Joey Barton used to do that, at least they used to have an impact on the game and you were like aware of who they were during the game and they were, they were making an impression on you and they were winding you up during the game and they were good players. Do you know what I mean? So they, they were having a direct effect and it's different then because you, you're going along with that narrative throughout the whole game. This guy, I didn't even, until he did that, I hadn't even noticed him on the pitch. It was I, I just like saw his number and I was like looking up to see who he was. I was like, who are you? What are you what's, who do you think you are? Like, like nobody a... reacted neither. Like nobody in like where we were staying, nobody like reacted to him doing that. It was just so embarrassing. Like but but done it for the third goal as well. It was just really bizarre. Like it reminded me of can you remember when um when Wigan beat us, I think it was Parkinson's first game, and there was there was that interview with I can't remember the player, I can't even remember his name, after the game when he said um welcome to our house. Yeah. And that these are our and it was like that sort of, but but that's the thing was still like we are still a lot of teams. I don't want to say cup final, but we are still like the big. Well, all you're doing by behaving like that is 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 showing everybody that you think the side you're playing against are much bigger and better than you and have a much bigger status because you wouldn't. Yeah. You know, would he do that again, Shrewsbury? No, he wouldn't. So, you know, it, it's 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 kind of like amateur. I'd be embarrassed if. If Sunderland say drew somebody the cup in the division above them and old fan and old players went on like that. Unless it's a derby match or something, do you know what I mean? Which you can understand more. Um that just yeah, just thought strange behaviour that was. Um anything else on the game before we move on and, and look at potential I'm gonna say transfer targets, but what we think we need to do going forward. No? Okay. When we come back we'll do that. <laughs> I'm Kevin Kyle and you're listening to the Wise Men Say podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Welcome back to the Wise Wednesday podcast. Right, we're going to have a quick discussion now. Uh, there's no midweek game, obviously, to um, preview. So I would be surprised if we're all on uh, different pages to each other here in, in terms of what we think needs to be done in the transfer market. Patrick Roberts looks like that's going to get done. So perhaps even by the time... Um, We've recorded this, although they have been saying that almost close for a couple of weeks, haven't they? Um, and uh, any any opinions on him? Mick, you're a Selig, you're a Selig fan. Uh, yeah, I, um, I prefer them to Rangers, put it that way. Um, <laughs> if you can, fan. if he... you know you're a fan, <laughs> I do want Celtic top, so please don't like See, lynch me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> either the Union Jack mob on Twitter is going to be all over us now. You and me and Chris will have to share the here together, but. Um, no, Patrick Roberts, he um, he was excellent at Celtic, to be fair, and he was an integral part of that kind of invincible season under Brendan Rodgers. And there were a lot of Celtic fans who were devastated when he didn't sign. However, as I touched on a couple of weeks ago when we were first linked, he's had something of a drop-off and he's only played twice this season. Yeah, And that does, that does ring massive alarm bells because you want somebody to come in and make an immediate impact and undoubtedly because of like the league he's coming from, there's comparisons to Jordan Jones and Lewis Morgan, who talented players, but they didn't have a lot of first-team football under the belts and it took them a while to get going and they were very patchy and inconsistent. However, my argument would be, it would be is if Patrick Roberts had kind of continued at his rate of progression, there's no way he's ended up in League One, regardless of how big a club we are. So therefore, for us to get a player of his calibre and his 
kind of ability levels, there's got to be mitigating factors to it. So I think while there's like obvious drawbacks to it, I do think it will be a good sign. And then if we can squeeze something out of them for the last six months of the, the season, then it could be a very worthwhile deal. And he is somebody who I think is more than capable of playing championships football. So should we get promoted, he's a free agent in the summer and we would probably be able to attract them. So I think there's logic behind the signing. I really do. And hopefully he could replicate some of that form that he did show Celtic. I mean, he's he's a very kind of direct player. He likes to get the ball and drive at defences. He's very good at kind of cutting inside and taking an early shot. And he, he's just he's just a very talented footballer and he could really kind of excite the fans. But as I say, the downside to it is his lack of first-team football yeah. recently. Well, you think of how, how long it took Pritchard to... to... Get in the zone and and get his sharpness because his first few games he was way off it, and you know people rightly questioned at the time if we just signed somebody else you know without an eye on the future who's a bit of a journeyman now and his best years are behind him and he's been you know absolutely fantastic the last the last few weeks hasn't he so there's going to need to be patience. I don't want to sound like I'm sitting on the fence here, but this is definitely a, we're going to have to just see what happens here. Cause as Mick says, you know, he wouldn't be, it is that old chestnut, isn't it? He, he wouldn't be playing for us. If he was shown the form, he was shown at Celtic. So sometimes you've got to just accept that. And um, yeah, this is, this is, this is one where we think this is either going to be a disaster or um, a revelation. We almost tempted to say that one, Chris. Yeah, I think so. I think, like, I know Mick said it, but, like, the first thing that sprang to mind for me was Jordan Jones. Just, I mean, it's it's the lazy comparison, really, coming from, like, doing doing decent in the Scottish League and then didn't appear on loan to the end of the season. And I think, to me, it's one of them that, um, I know we're going to come on to what the priorities are. Like, I don't think the position, compared to other ones, is a priority, but assuming we get those done, it's a nice bonus. Like, I think one thing you can't say about Johnson is that he doesn't know how to set a team up to attack and get the best out of, like, creative players. Like, this is, like, both visually and, like, statistically, like, this is the best we've been going forward since coming down here. So I think, like, in that respect, if you've got a clearly talented player, um, it's it's kind of minimal risk, especially if he's on loan as well. Um whether I think it's really difficult to predict how how it'll go. Uh, like you just said, there could either be fantastic or it could be a nightmare. Because, like Mick said, he's only played two games this season. I think he's only played something like fourteen minutes in the league, and you wonder why that is. But you know, like that—that's not to say that that it's going to be an issue. But I think really the the one probably concern that you have about it is—is um, is he going to be ready? to come straight at the team and I know you've just said they were going to have to have patience and I think that's probably right because there's no way you can be match fit and I know there was there was a story in the I think it was in the Northern Echo this morning that said they wanted to make his debut on, on Saturday if they can get him in by then um, which I don't know uh, you feel like does that mean off the bench because you'd be surprised if he's going straight at the first team especially we've already signed a lad in a position that we're pretty desperate in and he, he hasn't yeah. played a minute yet yeah. Um, so yeah I think it's I think hopefully it's a nice bonus this window like one of those that you know what if it doesn't come off it's not the end of the world um, I certainly I certainly don't think it's any I, th- I think it's the right profile of player again it's like it's a, it's a young man like what Mick said there really if he's if he had continued as well as he was looking a few years ago he, he wouldn't be in this division so it's I don't have any real issue with it. Mm, agree with that. Um, are we all in agreement with each other that would you say three signings for Sunderland and you're looking at a straight down the spine yeah. of the team, right? Like yeah, yeah. it goes without saying. Surely, I mean Flanagan's a fall guy at the moment. I think Flanagan's actually had a pretty decent season. He's you know had a couple of dodgy games, hasn't he? Um, you know he along with Gooch was. At fault for the for the third um, Lincoln goal. Just as Sunderland were looking like they were gonna they were gonna get back into that game. Um, at fault again on Saturday. He's he's played all right this season, but what it shows to me is that they don't think they've got anybody else suitable to come in. Um, we need a no nonsense, don't we? Big, ugly, three eyed monster <laughs> <laughs> to play at the back at centre half. Do. Don't and we? I think the link to uh, Flint. 
is that you look at someone like him and you think he I think he'd be a great signing. Yeah. Very sure, heavy, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how true it is because I think he's he's been playing quite a lot for Cardiff this season, so I'd be surprised if he was to leave. But maybe is it just the lazy link because he's played with Johnson before? But I think someone like that. I, 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 I look, I'm all for the new the new uh, recruitment strategy, getting in youth with potential and building them up as we hopefully go up through the leagues. But I think this window, it's become apparent that we need a bit of experience. We need, yeah. what you said, we need a couple of shit houses, mm. And we need, uh, because like I said, going forward, we're as good as we've been. That, that's not the issue. It's, it's keeping the back door shut and it's getting organised. Like I think, I know we played on Saturday, but our, our good spell since that shocker in autumn coincided with, with Bailey Wright come back in for for a portion yeah. and and playing argue, out of position really, but he's but he gets them organised. Like, look, I'm not yeah. I'm not saying I think Bailey Wright's an excellent centre half because I don't, but but he gets them organised. And I think I think it's a shame for Flanagan because I would agree. I think I actually thought up until uh, well up until the last week, I think you could make a claim for him being probably certainly in our top three or four best players. This season, I, th- I think he's been excellent for the most part. But the problem with him is when he goes, he goes. And I, and I don't think he is... <laughs> I don't want to see he isn't an organiser because I think he has been organising Doyle. And I think as much as Doyle's clearly a talented footballer, I think a lot of people have a bit of a blind spot with him because he's an 18-year-old kid and you accept that mistakes are going to come. The, the problem is I think Flanagan can kind of pull Doyle out of it at the minute. I'm not sure the other other way around applies and you need Doyle look Doyle's an excellent footballer. He's really good technically and I'm not saying he shouldn't be in the team, but you need the guy alongside him to be on the top of the game, I think, and organise and and yeah, unfortunately I think if we were to get someone in it'll it'll be Flanagan who's the four guy. Interesting that being yeah. I, I agree. I you you made a balance I mean, I it's in, yeah, I think Flanagan has been, you know, the thing with Doyle for, is like, yes, you've just said that people need to be understanding that at his age, he's going to make mistakes and he needs games to play. And it's great for his development playing in this league and ironing out those mistakes and having it, you know, coming up against um, the kind of centre forward that he's coming up against. But all that is doing is benefiting Man City. It's not benefiting us, is it? So, no. you know, and not that I'm saying I think Flanagan is a player who you take through the leagues with you, you get up because I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's the case. So it is an interesting one. Like long term, do you go for the player who's yours? But then the argument is, well, you still probably need to replace him if you get promoted anywhere. Or yeah. do you go I with the, the younger one who, who looks to be a better footballer in Doyle? But then whoever it is needs help. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't I think I'm going to make it. I was just going to say one last thing on Flint, actually. I think he could be a very astute signing from a kind of attacking viewpoint as well. Because I think we saw um, when we played Bristol City, when Johnson was their manager um, under Simon Grayson, when obviously Jason Staley was got a bit of a caravan wreck on his line at the best of times. But they really but they really targeted him that game. And I think Flint actually scored from just hanging across underneath the crossbar and like he got in the end of it and they won the game. But they've done that corner routine two or three times. And I think... But- he when he was in League One, was it three-three as well? Yeah, yeah, and I think, and I think at Barnsley as well, but he scores some ridiculous like fifteen goals in a season in League One. Um, and I think one thing which you do have to be fair to Johnson and particularly Jamie McAllister and the other coaching staff is some of our set players this season have been absolutely excellent. And with the ability with, with the ball that Pritchard can put in them in swingers on the goalkeeper, I think Flint we could get a lot of joy. I know it's not particularly like great to watch or whatever. But I do think we could like kind of profit a lot if we did sign him, and we and we could get a lot of goals from set pieces as the season goes on. And I think it's a really good um, weapon to have in your arsenal. So as well from a defensive point of view, I think he'd be a seven sign, and I think going forward as well, he could be surprisingly astute. Yeah, and yeah. and, and just to, to say what Chris had said there, just to agree with that as well. Yes, the profile of the the player in in terms of the future transfer strategy does need to be somebody young who you can make a profit on, who you can, who will improve and you can bring through the leagues with you and stuff like that. But it can't just be that kind of needs to be, needs to have that experience as well. I put a tweet out earlier and I should have, um, I should have known better really um, to bring Max Power up. Um, <laughs> I've got a very mixed response. Let's say that. Um, I was like, you 
It was, yeah. Well, most were in favour, to be fair. I just think... I thought it was Craig or Matthew. It's, it's all well and good people saying, oh, you know, no, Max Power was, you know, was right to let him go. He was in the teams that failed at that point. They, they were very different looking teams to the one we have now. And I mentioned this last week, saying how, like, how great it would have been for someone like Lee Cannibal to have these kind of midfielders alongside him. And I think yeah. it's the same for Power. I really, like... Yeah, I think he would have made a massive difference for us in these games where we're really struggling and we're talking about the lack of experience and the lack of leadership in there. I just think it's a shame that he's gone before Embleton and Neil have come into their own and played. And yes, there are better options out there and hopefully we'll go and get one in January. But would have you would you have, you know would you have Neil would you have Evans over Power? Because I, I well, think the, the form is... power shown for Wigan I would suggest not. The the problem with Evans is like he doesn't play enough games. I mean, you, we talked about this when he signed. Like you look at him, he averages less than half the games across the season when he was at Blackburn. And we're seeing the same here. Like he's I think he's only started ten games. And and I think as a footballer actually, like once once he's got that run of games, I think he looks a decent footballer, but but you you don't get enough of it and as soon as he gets going. He, he gets himself injured and yeah I don't, I mean, I'll be honest on, on power like I I had no qualms with him going and to be honest I thought he flattered to deceive a lot for us but I do take the point especially around experience someone who's like I don't think I don't think power was one of those people who we've seen who, who got overawed by playing for us in front of that I think he actually he thrived on it at times I just my personal opinion is I, I don't think he was Certainly for us, I don't think he was a great footballer, but I think the point that you're getting at about experience... Would you play him now? Is, if he was here now, would you... Right, with, right with now. With the squad we've got right now, would you play him? Right now, yes, because we need... Because, well, as we said before, like, Neil and Embleton in that role, it just doesn't work. Like, not, not even necessarily because of inexperience, just because I don't think either of them are really your kind of shield and break the, break the play up sort of players. They're more, they're more creative. Um and I think, yeah, I think the broader point on all this... Let's see how many pellets we can <laughs> Well, I think the broader point on all this, though, is like, and we've kind of already touched on it, is I think all of us here are on board with kind of what looks to be like the new recruitment strategy. But I think it was Gareth, and it might be you as well, Stephen, said at the start of the season that, yes, we've got a long-term goal, but that long-term goal has to be facilitated by getting out of this division as soon as possible. Now, to me, this next two weeks, this month, is it's it's really kind of like put up or shut up time. Right? It's like, do, do people want to get out of this division this season or are they happy to take a bit of a risk on it? Because I look at, I look at Wigan, and now I'm not saying I want Josh McGuinness. I think that shitty who the side of Derby would have been perfect for us. But Ripley, I look at their, League One. Yep, really good for and what cost them like thirty grand because Derby have to accept whatever comes their way now. So to me, look, you can't guarantee that it's going to get them up. But to me, when you look at those signings, you're going, well, they're making that they're trying not to leave anything to chance. That they're making moves to get out of this division at the first possible opportunity. And I just think, look, they've got two weeks, so I'm not just like in the summer. We'll give them till the end of the window, even though I think there's a valid argument that you should expect they've got it in place at the start of January. But so far, discounting Roberts, assuming it happens, but so far we've signed a right-back, which we needed, but he hasn't come straight at the table. We've played three games. He was playing for the under-23s the other day. And you're like, it's all well and good signing these people for the future. But if we don't go up this season, the big problem they're going to have is you, you're a little bit back to square one. Like Some of the key players in the team are on loan. So the, the goalkeeper is on loan and he'll probably go back. Diakou, who I know a lot of people are I'm still not 100% sold on him, but look, he, he's made some vital contributions in the last month and a half or so. He'll probably go back. Doyle's obviously going to go back. Good luck keeping a hold of Neil and Stewart this summer if we don't go up. And it's all well and good seeing the plan is to, you know, get like risk recycle like our best players, sell them for a profit and recycle that back into the team. But you're just giving yourself a very big uphill task. And the other point is like a lot of clubs in the league above, like Derby, for example, but others as well, 
they're not in a particularly strong position at the minute, like financially. So really, if we had a bit of ambition, like it's, it's not the worst time to be getting into that division. Um, so I, I think they've got to, look, I fully understand, like there's a long-term goal and they don't want to make daft panic moves. Um, but I think there needs to be a realisation that, look, we've, we've got to get promoted this year and you've got, there's, there's the inadequacies in the squad are pretty glaring. We all agree on what they are. They they know what they are, so go out and yeah, fix them. Bravery's needed now. Like I say, not I'm all for not taking ridiculous gambles and throwing money at it, but if there's a time to just remind the fans of your ambition, ahem, it's now. And that goes for selling players as well. Yeah. Because we're con- the concern now, isn't there, that you know more and more interest seems to be um, developing in terms of Dan Neal. Ross Stewart is a goal scorer. People are desperate for goal scorers. He's going to attract attention. And my concern will be if we don't go up in the summer, certainly those two players are going to be cashed in on. I can't, I can't help thinking, I can't help feeling like that. And if we get big money for them, there's an argument to say, I wouldn't agree with it as a fan, but there is an argument to say from a business point of view, you can kind of like understand and say, you know, we are where we are in League One. So that's another reason to get out because there's less of a need to do that if you get up in the in the championship because it's gonna the kind of money you're gonna get for them when you're in the championship, you're gonna need to spend that again to replace them, aren't you? So well, exactly. that, without, that's the issue. Without chucking us down the rabbit hole again, like if if the argument was to ever come back that it's good business and the club can't turn down that sort of money, the valid question to ask is well, with this club's been stripped of millions of pounds, it's never been put back in, so don't give us that. And and I think I think you're right. Like I have no issue whatsoever with doing what what is like. I suppose it's like the Brentford model, isn't it? Like you buy cheap, you develop them, and you sell them for a massive profit. But I've got no great issue with that. But I do have an issue with that if what it means is we just stay in this league forevermore. Like Brentford kept progressing up the leagues as they were doing it, and they sold they sold Ollie Watkins the year before they got promoted. So you know they they were clearly tried and tested it replacing them with maybe as good as or better. Whereas with us, like you, you do feel beyond this season, like it's gonna let's be honest, like it's not like see we don't go up this year. We're not gonna have the same t- it's not like you can go, well they're, they're a year further down the line. They've been through they've been through like so close one year, we'll definitely do it this year. It's gonna be a completely different team for the reasons we've just listed. And the risk there is that you get stuck um, if we're not already stuck. On the subject of reckless short-termism, are we having a default link? So I was going to ask you what you thought about it, both of you. So well, well introduced, Mick. What do you think? I'll put it back. I'll put it back to you. What do you think about it? Um, it it's one of them, isn't it? It's kind of like a fan, or kind of are you looking at it with a more like rational head on it? I mean, to be fair, the default It'd be a low risk easy. signing, wouldn't it? If it was just for half a year. Yeah, I think some people who were, I mean, look, I would be excited by it. I mean, people will turn around and say, oh, he's 39-year-old, but we all know Jermaine Defoe, like, he's a very good athlete. He keeps himself in really good nick. I think that he's kind of, he's got the bit of, like, a physique of, like, a player who's a few years younger than him. I think he's got the fitness levels to do it, and I think he would score goals at this level. People say, oh, at Rangers, he's only scored four goals in 17 in recent times, but at Rangers, he was very much coming off the bench a lot. So I don't think that's really like a particularly that would be fair his role comparison, here, wouldn't it? Surely. Um, well, it, it, well. It, it, yeah, sorry. If, if you, no, alright. Um, no, I, I do think he would be coming off the bench a lot, but there's worse things in that league than playing like big man, little man up front and getting like combinations going with Stewart because I think that Stewart's an intelligent player who makes very intelligent runs, and I think that could create the space to default or exploit. I really do. Um, so I think there's an argument to say that you could play them as a two. But I agree, he would be coming off the bench predominantly. But I think if it could happen, I do think it would be a very good signing for a lot of reasons. I'm going to allow my heart to roll my head. <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> but, wrong with that, Mick. You know, no, sometimes, was, it's, sometimes it's all we've got as fans. I, I was going to say, Mick, to be fair, um, as much as... I mean, I, I think I have to say this because I remember when we originally signed them. I was like, oh, he's he's aging, he's going over the hill with loads of money that he ended up being like a one good signing for about five years. Um, so no, I, I think, I mean, my assumption was that he would primarily come off the bench like last 20 minutes and run, team, run teams a bit ragged or, you know, uh, get on the other things. Um, 
I'd, I'd be pretty, I know they're, they're doing very little to like dampen expectations on it. I'd be pretty amazed and shocked if it came off. Um, I'm not expecting be, yeah. No, no, I, I'd be very, very surprised. Not not least because, well, two reasons. First of all, I, I doubt he's going to come for, for pennies unless like you offer him like a, I don't know, a quarter role or something in the future. And I also think he's going to have takers probably higher up the ladder. And in um, London. <laughs> and in London, yeah, exactly. So, but in terms of look like, as, we, as I've just said there, in terms of a kind of short-term get you up sort of thing, we definitely, I, I would argue we need two strikers. If Broadhead's going to be knackered for the rest of the season, I would argue you need two. If he's happy to come and sit on the bench and come off the bench, then I've got no great issue with it. And, um, it, the, the 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 example I thought of was can you remember when we signed Stern John under under Keane and you knew we were signing him that he wasn't going to be like a first team regular or he was he was going to be in and out the team kind of thing but you had you had a little some extra that we needed to help us up and I think that's like the kind of a valid comparison here um, so I wouldn't I certainly wouldn't be against it I I, I think. Uh, Johnson saying there's a million and one things that need to happen for it to go through um, is probably not far <laughs> wider than Mark. How do people then, right, just finally, how are people judging the season? We put a Twitter poll on earlier um, to ask what people's frame of mind was at this moment in time in terms of Sunderland's um, league um, aspirations in terms of where they're going to finish in the league table. So the options were will go up automatically. We'll go up in the playoffs, more playoff heartache, or we'll miss out on the playoffs entirely. Um, 50%, exactly 50% have gone for playoff heartache. We're just so, you know, used to this as Sunderland fans, aren't we? I can understand why people have gone for that. If you're going to put a massive positive on it, if you add up the we will go up automatically and go up in the playoffs, um, that comes out of 46%, so it's not that bad. <laughs> in terms of um, what people are thinking. Um, only 4% so only... think we'll miss out in the playoffs. We're not going to miss out in the playoffs, are we? No. You know, that's just not going to happen. What, what, are, what do people think? Is this... Um, and don't say it depends what happens against Portsmouth the weekend. I'm asking your opinion now. Where are you? <laughs> Where are you at? I'm thinking promotion by the playoffs, but actually, like, I do have a little bit of, like, logic behind it. It's not just me going off my gut for one, so... I did like a little bit of research, which I know was frowned upon on the podcast, but no, um, yeah, go for it. <laughs> Hotly approved, Mick. Um, I had a I had a little bit of a look actually because you know when you get a bit of an idea in your head and you kind of just want to say like whether you just like talking rubbish or not. So I was just thinking to myself, we do seem to be like slipping back into this habit of drawing a lot of games, and so I looked and before the Ipswich game because I kind of split the season into two because we had like pre Ipswich. And we had the bad run just before that. Then we had post dips, which at home where we kind of turned around, kicked in a little bit and we got back up the league. So I was looking at that. Before that Ipswich game, we'd drawn one game out of our first 15. Since that game, so kind of taking it from the Shrewsbury game away from home, we've drawn five games out of 11. And in four of those games, we've had the lead in those games. And of the six games we've drawn overall this season, five of those have come from winning positions. When we've dropped the points, it's only Ipswich away where we've actually come from behind to to gain points um, in that period. So it is a little bit kind of like concerning in, in a way. Um, not the game points, sorry, but it's the only time when we've drawn a game where we've actually kind of come from behind. So that's a little bit worrying. But I think what gives me a lot less optimism that we're going to go up automatically is I looked last season at them um, like Lee Johnson. So from when he came in against Wigan last season, we dropped 16 points from winning positions. And so far this season, we've dropped 10 points from winning positions. And to me, that wouldn't suggest that he's a manager combined with the kind of straighty lay thing who's capable of sustaining an automatic promotion push and he's never actually achieved that in his career to date. So I hate to kind of quote on a massive negative, but I'm just looking at the evidence on short and to me, that doesn't look like a manager that's capable of winning automatic promotion. Yeah. Uh, the playoffs, I... law of averages. We can't lose in the playoffs again. <laughs> Do you want to bet? Um, I've, yeah, I, I've thought we're a playoffs team all season just just because I don't think we defend well enough. I think with the squad as it currently is, um, I'm going to stick to that. And as uh, low, low as I am to say it, I feel like it, I lean more towards the heartache than the kind of 
the dramatic like success in the last minute of Wembley. Just, I just, just for the reasons we outlined like at the start of the pod, really, I, I worry that the manager's kind of mentality um, isn't isn't maybe cut out to to handle the pressure that that would bring. I worry that we still won't defend well enough. Um, that being said, like if if we would have this conversation in two weeks' time, and if we've done all the business that we know we'd need to do, I really wouldn't bet against the score automatically because as much as, look, I think Wigan currently stronger stronger team. I know people talk about the games in hand, but look, they're not they're not going to lose four out of five. Um, but they are going to have an awful lot of games to play coming up. Teams are, I mean, Botherham are having a little bit of a rick right now. The, the annoying thing is we're doing the same. Um, I think attacking wise, we're a match for anyone. They get get the defense sorted out, and and I don't see why we can't be in that top two. But the worry I have is that we won't, and that the manager won't learn from his mistakes defensively. Mm, well, he says we need to learn by our mistakes. So let's see if he can. It's only January, is what is all I'm thinking. And we've been here before, and we've we've gone up from worse positions than this, but we've also capitulated from better positions than this, I guess, over the years. So um, it's early days, trying to remain measured here. Um, no um, Tuesday game, obviously, to, to preview. So uh, Matt will be back on Thursday to look ahead to the Portsmouth game on Saturday. So um, an interesting thing is that um, that Max Power tweet got... Um, a couple of negative replies, calling them crap and stuff like that. And he's went and he's liked those tweets. So shame on you if that is you. <laughs> oh um, shame on you for just replying and not taking it out of the, the, the fucking tag, man. Do you know what I mean? Ridiculous. Right. As always, thanks for listening. <laughs>the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market